Hello, everybody. Welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup. It is August 6, 2022, and tonight we'll be talking about Square Enix wanting to sell stakes of its U.S.-based game developers in hopes to transition all of its focus to its Japanese counterparts. We'll also be talking about how Microsoft has added additional memory to the Xbox Series S and why they decided to do it. And of course, we'll be talking about all the details revealed for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet in their Pokemon Direct earlier this week. That and more in this week's Weekly News Roundup. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020. Here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is a, kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course everything is all kinds of crazy. So this thing is a chonker. I mean... Yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. Doing a... Um, that we had the Resident Evil stuff, that they were successful with Castlevania. Welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup. And it's the news time. I am joined, of course, by Kyle via Discord. Kyle, hello. What's up, man? Oh, as my phone goes off. And as your phone goes off, and I transition us to being officially live, up and running, and here we are, everybody. Oh, yes, we're live. We're live. We're here. <laughs> That's exciting. All right, everybody. It is August. Uh, what I say? It's the sixth today. Yeah, God, it's already the sixth of August, twenty twenty-two. So, everybody, welcome. It is actually going to be a rather short NPCs weekly news roundup. Of course, uh, news was not necessarily light in the sense of. Um, you know, at least the content that came out, but the number of stories, of course, at least on things to focus on. There were some interesting things out there, but of course, we're going to hop in right to our first one and get through this, of course. And that is Square Enix wants to sell stakes in its U.S. studios. So this story comes to us from Video Games Chronicle, and this is based on a conference call they had for their financial results, and they indicate... Um, that the sale of Crystal Dynamics and EDOS to Embracer Group was phase one of Square Enix's plans, and phase two is going to be diversification of studio capital structure. And what they go on to say, um, or at least this is per uh, David Gibson, who is a Japan-based uh, analyst, he says, rising development costs making of making games means with 100% owned studios, they need to be selective and concentrate resources, which limits expansion. As such, the publisher will be doing a studio portfolio review. So what it looks like is that similar to what uh, Square Enix did with Embracer Group and the, the sale of those couple studios that they had, what they're wanting to do is they want to retain the majority ownership in the studios that they still have, particularly in their non-Japanese segments, but open it up to being able to raise additional capital by selling stakes in those companies, which for really what we've been seeing in the game industry as of late, that's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility, given Tencent's uh, really big push to invest in a lot of gaming companies as of late, too. So, Kyle, I mean, we're talking about the U.S. segment for Square Enix, which, you know, is they've got several studios there, but it's like after... EDOS and Crystal Dynamics kind of went over to Embracer. Like, what does that really leave us with? Um, you know, I'm not entirely certain what all studios that actually leaves us with over at uh, Square Enix. But I mean, I, you you look at the way they're they're trying to focus. Um, a lot of the studios that they're getting rid of too are ones that they've considered didn't 
meet expectations of the profits of their last games, um, including some of the ones that weren't necessarily bad. Like you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, it had some residual effect of the the Marvel Avengers, but it was part of that first phase one. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and I, I mean, um, let me see what other studios uh, they're still hanging on to at the moment. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. It looks like they've got Square Enix London Mobile, which, of course, is all mobile game development. They've got uh, they've still got Square Enix Montreal uh, out of Quebec. They have, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, I think, you know, EDOS and Crystal Dynamics were sold off. Um, let's see here. Uh, they have Square Enix out in China, but I don't think that was a part of the listing there. Um, then they have Square Enix out of... Um, Europe that's in London and let's see they were the publishing end for the European side including Tomb Raider Deus Ex Just Cause Life is Strange um, yeah a lot of their stuff they have is um, yeah very interesting it's not actually that much so whatever it is at least that they're working to diversify is probably not going to be that big in the grand scope of uh in the grand scope of like exactly like what they own anyway, it doesn't seem like they actually have that much still lingering out there, but the idea for them to focus on their Japanese efforts though, I guess maybe comes back to um, some of the concerns on some things like the way that square was handling business, I guess, you know, with the emphasis on things going with EDOS and crystal dynamics and the unfortunate uh, problems that they ran into with some things out of uh, uh, crystal dynamics, but not to say everything was bad. Um, however, of course, they're trying to focus back into their original market. So what do you think that's going to mean right. for American gamers? Um, you know, I think for American gamers, that means we're going to get a lot more of the hardcore JRPGs that we saw in the late 90s that that just totally captivated uh, American audiences that you know, I, I think we're going to be getting sequels to those, and we're, we're going to be seeing more of those come along. Um, and, I, I mean, you look at some of the content that Square has been putting out here recently, um, where they've had their, their great focus, um, aside from the mobile gaming. Um, I mean, it's a lot of, like, RPG stuff. And, I mean, they, they just announced uh, Tactics Ogre uh, that'll be launching, I believe... That one's uh, October or November, uh, but it's a remake of the original Tactics Ogre. That's one fans have been clamoring for for, for a while now. And, I mean, it, it just shows that they're kind of reorganizing their effort towards the games that have been just massively successful for them. Yeah, if, if their focus is overall concern that the that their studios that they had in the non-Japanese markets were basically like forcing them to spend all of this extra money in these different spots instead of focusing on uh, their classic stuff, then, you know, hey, that's that's a business decision for them. You know, they've already split off a lot of that stuff. Um, and I don't think we well, can... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, well, and you look at some of the studios that they'd purchased in the, the past with licenses that they had purchased. Oh, yeah. It, like... Uh, Soul Reaver, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, it was all games that they saw success in. However, you know, it was, you know, something that they were like, oh, well, that's been successful. 
let us take a crack at it now. We're going to just buy it and, you know, whether we make an attempt at it or not, if it's successful, we'll, we'll see where the license goes. And, you know, I, I think it's also kind of hurt their, their more successful licenses doing that. Hmm. Very, very possible. I mean, it's not to say anything like, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen has been a big success still. Final Fantasy fifteen was a big success. We've got sixteen on the way mm -hmm. as well. Um, I wonder if one of their hopes is maybe to revitalize some of their older, more like ignored titles that, you know, kind of got pushed by the wayside because they put so much emphasis on Final Fantasy and then all of their mm -hmm. subsidiaries that they had to keep putting money into, especially like with licensing for Crystal Dynamics, having to pull in the uh, Marvel license, you know, to be able to make their their kind of alternate spinoff of like the Avengers versus what we had seen, you know, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the rest of the comic line. Well, and I mean, you look you look at uh, what they did with even just the uh, the classic Final Fantasies. They had done uh, like HD remixes of them that some fans liked. Some fans were like, eh, and there were a lot of fans that disliked them. And when they made the Pixel remasters, uh, those were actually enjoyed by I think far more fans. And they they see the success in you know the, these previous you know entries and. You know, the, the, the fact that they've had, you know, such, such success with the Final Fantasy line and uh, just RPGs in general that I, yeah. I think they're trying to, to focus more on that. Yeah, and I mean, we can only kind of hope this works, but we've only got to really... I guess our key part of it, though, especially, is that we don't lose... Um, we don't potentially lose access to those titles though, either here in the United States, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they'll get published and pushed into the United States anyway, but that we don't have, you know, potentially longer delays on anything of that sort either, given that if they want to put more focus into their Japanese studios, you know, are we going to see more emphasis on releasing to the Japanese market much sooner than they would in the United States, or are we still going to see that balanced initiative that they've been really working towards over the last decade or so, or if not even longer, um, it's a good question to ask. I mean, because Square Enix is still one of the studios that does show a lot of interest in the NFTs and um, oh, what man. kind of benefit that NFTs might show in NFTs. their company, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they they do have um, some focus that they're they're shifting there, and they do have their mobile sector that, that they're trying to grow a lot more as well. I mean, shoot, they've launched, I, I think probably four or five games uh that directly relate to final fantasy 7 in the last like three years yeah there's that and then they've also launched a whole bunch of mobile uh final well, fantasy was... games though too not even just like you know anything that's related oh, to final yeah. fantasy 7 but you've had no and i was several just classic games specifically too specifically mobile yeah yeah so it's like they've had like i'm on my phone right now looking here um you know they've got uh Oh, what is it? They got some generic, um, like mobile style games on here, but you could buy the whole Final mm -hmm. Fantasy VII, the original PlayStation One release, for sixteen dollars. Uh, there's a Dissidia Final Fantasy game on here that looks more mobile, like Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Final Fantasy uh, Nine, the original Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Four, Six. Um, you know, there's yeah, quite a Final bit Fantasy in here. Final Fantasy Seven uh, Soldier, or I forgot what that one was. Uh, the full name of that one was. But you play as a uh, Shinra soldier, basically. Um, 
and I, I don't know. They, they, they've got another one that I think was iOS specific that was um, about um, being a Turk. Mm, I don't know which one that no. would be, but, you know. Yeah. But even yeah, so, you, it's like, yeah, yeah. It, even so, it's like because of the processing power behind the your mobile devices anyway, too, the fact that you could actually pull in, you know, these games from, from the days of yore and you're not necessarily spending an arm and a leg to get them, you know, it's definitely a segment that they are pushing and adapting to anyway and have put out quite a few games as is. I mean, hell, being able to take the full Final Fantasy VII game with you in your pocket for, you know, the people who want to play that. Hey, cool, that's awesome. And so I don't see them necessarily abandoning that side of it, though, either. I'm sure, like you said, that NFT push and what have you is going to keep going. Again, I'm just more worried about the the uh, the support of the non-Japanese markets and whether or not we're going to be seeing delays in games going out to there because they want to prioritize releases in Japan first. And then it's like a year or so out before we see something in the Americas. Um, I, I think I'm there, there's possibility. I won't di uh, discount that there, there is always the possibility, but I, I, I do also think that they've seen, you know, what kind of, uh, pitfall that, that can cause for them, um, in the past by doing, uh, split releases. So maybe not such a good idea, but I, I, I couldn't say for, for certain because there are still games that, you know, gets released overseas specifically that we never see oh yeah oh yeah and then we somehow get them in rom form or some hacked together form or right what that have you translated yeah yeah no kidding so it still takes even longer to get a release but i digress right. so we don't know exactly what's going to be happening with this yet of course even though this is just the efforts of uh, Square Enix to, of course, bring in additional capital so that way they can support development on other titles. We don't know if there's any interested parties. We don't know when this is exactly going to occur. I'm sure that as time goes on, we'll have other companies come up, whether Sony themselves decides to put some money out there, especially now that they've completed the acquisition of Bungie, um, whether or not maybe Tencent's going to jump in there too with Square Enix. We don't know what's going to happen. Hell, even Embracer Group may actually hop into the foray and decide to um, instead of just buying up these studios, maybe they'll just throw some additional capital there for a stake with Square Enix itself, too. Who knows? Oh, man. It's very possible. It's very possible. We've seen this type of stuff happen before in the industry, so. Right. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on here to our next story on the list, and that is about the Xbox Series S, the little brother to the more powerful Xbox Series X. The Xbox Series S is going to be receiving an update here soon that will be giving it a memory bump in hopes of being able to improve performance for some games. Uh, so according to this article from The Verge, uh, Microsoft has gone on to say hundreds of additional megabytes of memory are now available to Xbox Series S developers. This gives developers more control over memory, which can improve graphics performance in memory-constrained conditions. So while they're going to be unlocking it for the devs, the way that this is being understood right now through the, uh, through the, the chain of, of communication and such that I've been reading online is that while they're going to have the additional memory to work in and develop, that's going to carry on to the consumers down the line, especially because the Xbox Series S is limited to only, I believe it's eight gigs of, of uh, memory to work with. It has 10, but two are system reserved for the xbox operating system so oh. what that means then is that i mean they're only saying hundreds of megabytes but it they may have i guess found some sort of decent number to be able to throw out there to say 
this is what we can really run with at a bare minimum for the OS. Here's how much more we can actually free up. Uh, and so, of course, Ooh. you know, I guess don't know how much more they could really do, but. That kind of makes me worry because, I mean, one of the things that, you know, Xbox wanted to fix with the new consoles, um, even with the Series S, was the the slow menus and the slow load times in the menus and how slow the system boots up. And I, I just hope this doesn't affect the performance in that in such a way that it, it starts acting like my uh, Xbox One S that, you know, I, I turn it on and it fair. takes 15 seconds for it to boot. And, you know, I go to Game Pass and it's another 30 seconds before I can start um, oper or going through the, the pains and stuff to, to navigate down to the games with gold just to download a couple games. Well, it makes me wonder a couple of different things with this, because one, we saw last week that the Xbox boot times are going to be reducing drastically. So maybe they're going to be allowing that memory to be available then, um, since it's going to be shorter time. The other thing I'm almost curious about, and this is going to depend on how Microsoft opens this up. But I remember at one point in time with uh, like flash drives and uh, SD cards and micro SD cards that when you plug them into mm -hmm. your computer, you could actually allocate that flash memory to being used as like system memory, not storage, but more like um, volatile RAM. So you were um, so that way you were able to use that as more like another caching point or something like that to help with loading applications or games or other programs and such. Right. I almost wonder if Microsoft is going to be changing it around so that way a that you might have a little bit of reduced storage on say like the um on the internal SSD but you might be able to allow the developers to allocate that to using for their games. Now of course the trade-off is less storage, but it makes you wonder if that might be a good like workaround to allow for the Series S to work a little faster up until they come out with the next gen or, or the, the next release of the Series S, which rumored uh, last year to be, oh, what was it? I think that they were going to include another couple gigs of RAM. I think it was going to be getting a storage bump as well, though, too, but they were also going to be reducing the size of the SOC. So it makes me wonder if, you know, this could be one of those, like, catch-all stopgap things to prepare for, you know, that next release of hardware without having to provide some sort of weird modules or upgrades to existing Series S owners. I mean, it, it's possible, yeah, just to bridge the gap. So, yeah, you can buy the new system, but you're only getting a little bit better performance type thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the grand scheme of it, you know, I think anything that they can do to try to support here is going to be great because the Series S is still a rather budget conscious, uh, console anyway. And yeah, the continued expansion, of course, of things into cloud gaming as well, as long as you're subscribed to Game Pass, means that you right. aren't hindered from playing games anyway, too, especially on the storage part. Um, but... I mean, I don't know. There's there's still a lot of people out there that they hear more performance, regardless if it's, you know, 12 percent or, you know, 40 percent. They hear more and they, they got to have it, you know. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lar large number of people that are that way. 
Yeah, and what I imagine now instead is someone who uh, is going to come out here soon and have modded their Xbox Series S to take in a Nintendo 64 expansion pack. Oh, just slot, you want that extra RAM? You just slot that sucker in there, no problem. And Donkey Kong 64 will run with no problems. And you can play Majora's Mask, too. But, uh, <laughs> but even so, um, what I was just thinking there, though, is that, you know, as... as Another one of those stop gaps, though, is that the expansion card that you can get for the Xbox Series S and X being used as another one of those um, volatile memory caches, though, to allow for things to potentially run faster. You know, allocate or partition another two or three gigs of that to allow for some extra bump. You know, I, I just had the weirdest thought. These things are getting so small and simple as far as like the Series S goes. You could almost package them like, uh, what was that that laptop company that uh, it was like a Raspberry Pi and a laptop? Oh, I know, I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't quite uh, think of the name though. I mean, th- this is like Microsoft. You need to get together with like Teenage Engineering and figure this out because you you have a gold mine, <laughs> another gold mine on your hands. Just or. Sending out kits for kids to build their Xbox. Because, I mean, eventually, you think about it, if it's going to come down to just, like, small performance bumps with uh, just simple, you know, upgrades in RAM or a swap out of a drive, and, you know, the the SOC isn't going to change all that much, that's where we're going to be at. I mean, we got kids that build computers anyway, so. Yeah, and it's... It's funny to say that, though, especially, too, because, you know, what was going through my head, what I thought you were going to say was Frameworks. You know, it's like Frameworks has this laptop there now that you can order all the different parts for to be able to make yourself. It's like, there you go. Frameworks plus Xbox equals a Series S you can tear apart and rebuild into what you want. But I'm just thinking, like, they sent you the, the, you know, the SOC. They sent you the RAM modules and, you know, you... The, the shell and you get to assemble it yourself save a little bit of the cost and then you know you you've gained a little bit of education on you know the construction of a game console yeah i, I mean that's also something neat, they could do thought, but i don't really see microsoft putting forth the effort to i, do I that don't though. either but it just it seems so simple to where we're getting with some of the upgrades the the system's already small it's in already, my opinion what they're what are they going to do? Make it a little thinner? <laughs> I mean, they're already like little gaming PCs as is because they're running Ryzen right. processors and RDNA 2 graphics. And it's like the, the next thing, they're going to look like an Intel Nook. Th- that or we get to the point that because we're still waiting on their streaming puck or their little streaming adapter, you know, it could just be that at the end of it. At the end of the day, you don't even have the console anymore either. You know, they, they solved the may- problem. No more worries about memory. We're just gonna we're just gonna offload all your stuff to the cloud. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe that that's the next iteration of the S. Is it, it's literally most of the stuff is hosted on the cloud. You're gonna have a hard drive, and a, that's connected to a streaming puck, maybe a little bit larger streaming puck that connects to your TV, and and that's that. You know. Dear God, we're getting to the point here soon that the Xbox won't even exist anymore as a physical entity and it'll just be stuck in your brain. I mean, really and truly, I mean, you think about where where the system's at. The Series X exists for the people that still like to utilize discs, but also um, want the performance, right? So, I mean, there's there's a larger audience that just want access to the games, you know? 
we're getting to the point that, that that's all it is. <laughs> true. Oh, very true. Very true. Uh, so I guess what we're going to have to wait and see on is just how much like how much memory has actually been allocated out there for developers to continue to use or, or to, to now use in tandem with what they already had and what we're going to be seeing available. Oh, excuse me, available to consumers uh, coming up here as well. So that's got to be coming down the line very soon, but there's no dates or details uh, for uh, when we're going to be seeing that either. So once we actually see some of that news about what the performance bump might be, we'll be here to share it with you. In the meantime, though, we move on to probably the news that's been eating up everybody this week because of the announcement of one certain creature in this game. Uh, we got the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Direct that was um, uh, that was uh, shown off this week, giving more details about what's going on in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, so a couple of different things that were shown off here. Of course, I, like I said, there it's a TLDR in this part here. But the new name of the world is the uh, Paldea region. Uh, so the Paldea region is a lot of people are actually saying that this is Kalos in some way, shape or form, just based on some images and such in this massive crater here. Actually, let me go ahead and switch over to the capture here from uh, this is articles from Nintendo's uh, website itself. Uh, but some people are saying that this is actually the Kalos region here based on some uh, information from. I don't know if it was Arceus or Arceus, excuse me, or another game, but there's something about an island or something like that being hit by a uh, being hit by something. This massive crater appearing, so it's very well could be tied in with something else in the game series as well. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Paldea is going to be based at least on what people are seeing on the uh, on Spain and Portugal, and. Um, you know, is actually going to end up being pretty massive. They're following the same. Uh, they're following the same scenarios they did with Pokemon Legends Arceus in the openness of the game and Pokemon roaming around uh, with still some of that that they learned from Pokemon Sword and Shield. So we're going to be seeing a lot of that happening in this, too. Um, so Even going beyond that, though. In um, some it cases, sounds like, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like um, because I, I actually watched the uh, Pokemon Direct on it, um, there, there's of course going to be your main uh, storyline of trying to be the very best and you know taking on the elite four and you know rising to the the top, uh, conquering all the gyms. Which, by the way, you can conquer the gyms in any order that you you like, but you do have to have all of the badges in order to visit the elite four. Um, but there's also going to be other challenges as well that that are their own self enclosed storyline. So it sounds like it's going to be more like uh Pokemon meets uh Skyrim in in a sense just because there there's these overarching uh storylines that you can, you know, intertwine or or just seek out one of each, you know, if through per playthrough if you like. Yeah. Yeah, that's about what I was taking away from it as well too. Um uh couple interesting things here of course is uh we're getting the introduction of something called the terrastall phenomenon um it's only according to the information here from nintendo it's only found in the paldea region it makes pokemon shine and glimmer like gems when a pokemon terrastallizes a terra jewel appears above the pokemon's head like a crown and the pokemon's body glistens like a cut gemstone uh, so they gain special powers and allows players to enhance their battle strategies by increasing the power of any moves that have the same type as their Pokemon's Terra type. There are 18 types, meaning there are countless combinations of Pokemon and Terra types. 
Uh, so what I'll do here while we're talking about some of this as well, let me just slide this you gotta, over. You got to pull up that EV picture because that's just absurd. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me do that really quick then here. Let's see. So He got the ICO. Yeah, yeah. The, the crown is so big on on Evie here that it looks like Evie's gonna just like be like, yeah, I'm ready to go, and then like its skull's gonna like crush in, and that's it. You just <laughs> yeah. killed your Evie from the weight of a giant uh, diamond or three. It looks like Officer Jenny is here to arrest you for the murder of your Pokemon. Right. So, uh, yeah. But uh, besides that, though, we talk about the rest of this here while we're. Um, you know, well, I got the trailer um, it, in the it does look like um, one of the main legendaries you will actually get at the beginning of the game, and they will be your vehicle to get around in the world. Um, either like a motorcycle, other or it does actually kind of does like does this like weird walk thing. Um, I don't know if they actually fight for you though, because in in the videos they only appear to use them as as a mode of transportation or, or like a vehicle. Let's see. Pokemon Scarlet Violet. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I just don't remember them fighting or anything. So it, it, it's really bizarre that you, you get the legendary or at least one of the legendaries right at the beginning. Yeah, so uh, we've got one whose name is Koridon and the other one is Miraidon, the box legendary Pokemon that look like motorcycles. Uh, and yeah, they like you can see here in the trailer though is that one of them runs on legs but has like wheels underneath it. It's like it's like if I were to pick up my like up my bicycle or something, just be running, you know. It's like you know while carrying it underneath me or something. Yeah, well with it between your legs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Is there is no indication exactly on when you are going to be receiving those Pokemon, but um, they could be with you there from the beginning in in like really reverse fashion for what Pokemon is. But uh, we won't know at least until we get to uh, you know actually sit back and play it. Uh, but some other things here we did get, of course, is that there are Terra raid battles. Uh, let's see, these uh, happen when three other players team up to take on a terrestrialized wild Pokemon. Trainers can find other players who participate in the Terra Raid battle through the Terra Raid battle option, then choose to recruit allies or join someone else's raid. Uh, to have battles, to have a battle together with friends a player already knows, they'll need to set a link code. Battle system has a time limit and allows players to continue attacking seamlessly without having to wait for other trainers to choose their actions. So then it looks like with the online functionality in this that you're able to actually recruit in other players regardless if they're in your friends list or not. Um, uh, let's see. Then you can trade a battle with trainers all over the world by using a feature called the Poke Portal. In the Poke Portal, a link trade lets players trade with a specific person. With a surprise trade, after choosing a Pokemon to trade, players will be able to trade with a random trainer somewhere else in the world. And then battling, you can link battle um, with other trainers. Uh, and then there are... Of course, some other people that have been introduced here in the series, too. Clavel, he's the director of the Academy. He will teach the players many things about their school. Uh, all right, let me switch back here to this. What else we got? There's so much stuff that they showed off here in the Direct. And that Direct was, like, only 20 minutes long, too. Um, we've got Jacques, who is a... Uh, at least I think it's Jack, maybe. Very knowledgeable about Pokemon biology and is the developer of the Pokedex app for the Rotom phone player's homeroom teacher. You got Arvin, upperclassman at the Academy, good at cooking and researching healthy recipes that can help Pokemon feel better. Penny uh, has a bit of a shy personality, and for some reason, she doesn't seem to come to the Academy very often. 
and then you've got at least one gym leader showing off. Gym leader or the of the glass, what is it? Glassido Gym Grusha, a uh, professional snowboarder, but now the gym leader, uh, ice type specialist who has uh, Setchiton as his partner. Now, Kyle, we have to get into this interesting part here with this little bit, and that is this guy right here that has been driving everyone crazy on the internet since its announcement. This Pokemon right here named Fido. Now, of course, the character Fido with that name is, uh, you know, tied into, of course, uh, you know, dog names and such. You know, it's like, look, there's my dog Fido. This is a walking, talking, breathing, like, buttered roll is what this is, Kyle. So this Pokemon, and, and ready, here, here's the description. Here's the official description. Fido's moist, moist, bleh, I can't speak, moist, smooth skin has elastic qualities and is both firm and soft at the same time. When these Pokemon become excited, they intimidate their opponents by puffing up their bodies to appear bigger. Fido ferments things in its vicinity using the yeast in its breath. The yeast is useful for cooking, so this Pokemon has been protected by people since long ago. What this means, Kyle, is that we now officially have a Pokemon that can make beer. We could carry this Pokemon with us and make beer. Oh, geez. The beer-type Pokemon. Yes, absolutely. Well, well he is he is fairy-type, so he could grant, grant you the wish of beer. That's for sure. Yes. So besides that, though, I mean, that one's been driving everybody crazy. Uh, we've also That's got funny. we've also got a uh, we've also got a region-specific uh, Whooper now, though. Uh, so this is the Paldean Whooper. And it is actually more, it, it, this is why it's funny. Um, this whooper is more like a mud skipper than Mudkip is. So this whooper is uh, apparently one that was actually, um, it did originally live underwater, but of course it evolved over time to actually live on land. But just like a mud skipper has to remain uh, covered in mud to stay wet and moist there. So that way it doesn't dry out and die. Uh, but yes, we've got a muddy whooper now that is more mudskipper than mudkip is. So forget you, mudkip fans. Um, and then of course we've got Whoa. yeah, I know. Uh, then we got Sedington, <laughs> which is a let's see. Their description here says Sedington needs to have tough muscles to be able to support their immense bodies, and physical attacks using their bodies have incredible power. They also migrate around the snowy regions, protected by a thick layer of fat. So it's basically a walking whale. Walking ice whale is what I'm seeing here. Interesting. And it actually is. This category is Terra Whale Pokemon. And then, of course, it looks like there are some other modes here discussed about the other Pokemon, too. At least the legendary Pokemon, Corydon and Miradon. Uh, let's see. They can... Let's see. Sprinting build and drive mode. Players can ride sprinting build, Corydon or drive mode, Miradon, making it easier to traverse the expansive region more freely. Swimming build and aquatic mode. Players will be able to jump into rivers, lakes, and vibrant oceans to approach the Pokemon that live there across uh, perilous waters in a snap by riding swimming build Corridon or aquatic mode Miraidon. And then you've got gliding build and glide mode. And so apparently, so you have one that could turn into a motorcycle and a boat and a glider. Mm -hmm. It's a Pokemon Mario Kart. Yeah, that's what it is. Pretty much. Hands down. And the other one is just a Pokemon that looks like it has wheels attached to it that it doesn't use. Yeah. And it does all <laughs> the same stuff. But yeah. 
Oh god. Pretty much. And then and then if don't forget if if you pre-order the game, uh they do rope you in by getting you a uh Pikachu that looks like it's made out of crystal and uh it it has balloons um and also knows fly. Oh so. boy. Well, yeah. Oh, just some of these things, though, I swear. Crazy, crazy. I what? I 100% you know, agree. I remember back when there was 151 Pokemon. That was good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it was for me, too. Like, that. that's the thing I was talking about, like, you know, with my, uh, with my kids that are all excited about this, is that it's like, you know... Um, it's the fact that it's like, yeah, I only grew up with like 150, you know, 251 Pokemon because I was big into, you know, gold, silver and crystal. Everything mm -hmm. else after that. Whew, how did they keep coming up with these ideas? And now we're at the point here. Here we are, Kyle, in our 30s. And they came up with a Pokemon that ferments stuff as it walks around. Yeah, it's it's the beer puppy Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what Serpent Knight here said in chat with us, though, too, where he says uh, someday they're going to run out of color spectrums. Absolutely. It's like they, oh, they've yeah. done colors. They've done sheens. They've done gems. They've done crystals. They've done, um, you know, they've done elements. Um, like next one is going to be Pokemon City have, and Pokemon Country. Have they done non-precious um rocks or semi-precious rocks pokemon basalt and pokemon, pokemon agate <laughs> pokemon lava rock yeah i don't know then, then they gotta go into like ur urban stuff so it's like pokemon concrete and pokemon brick <laughs> Well, I'm wondering if we're going to get to the point of something like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, where you're actually just going to play the next Pokemon games as the Pokemon. You know, instead of it being like Mystery Dungeon, where you're limited to a small you area, know, let you play as a Pokemon in those bigger areas. And I, I did think it was kind of interesting with the uh, removal of the um, need to actually travel to the specific gyms in any in a specific order. Um there, there has raised the question that there may not be leveling in this, similar to how it is too. in uh, Pokemon Arceus. So, I, I, I don't know where the future is for competition if they do that, or is it, are your Pokemon going to level separately? Because it, it seems like a lot of the uh, like actual Pokemon fighting competition, most of it still exists on the DS. Hmm. Even when you go into like um, your 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 Pokemon events, and actually they they showed off at the um, Pokemon uh, Nintendo Direct thing uh, that they are doing one in London this year, and one of the things that they're gonna do is Pokemon battles on DS. You know, it's gonna be a major focus of the event: card battles, Pokemon battles on DS. They're gonna have a Pokemon tournament and then Pokemon Unite. Um, so also it's literally everything pokemon and they're gonna have their own pop-up pokemon shop so yeah and i i had seen some of that about the leveling as well though too and it's not a surprise to actually see them doing the stuff as it relates to um uh using like the ds versions of the game because um 
I wonder maybe if there are some limitations on the way they can link up with, say, like the Switch and do like in-person battles compared to what they were doing, like with the 3DS and and DS versions of their games. Mm -hmm. um, I guess what it's going to depend on more than anything. And of course, I got a dog scratching himself over here next to me and jingling <laughs> all over the place. Um, it, it does make me wonder, like, where the Switch stuff is going to kind of sit at in these things going forward, because you got to imagine that Nintendo and the Pokemon Company, especially the Pokemon Company, sanctioning these. Uh, these events that they're going to have to make a call to say, you know, it's time to retire the 3DS stuff and move on to doing these battles and things in the Switch versions, and that's it. Right. It's got to be coming. I mean, but I can almost see it as more like a counter maybe to like Evo, where it's like Evo has all these classic games too that they still use for fighting and such, though, that maybe they won't go that way. But it does make me kind of curious to see what'll happen. Counterpoint, though, they are still doing Switch stuff with, uh, what was it, uh, Dim um, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl um, at, at the event, um, as well as, I believe, some of the other ones. So, I, I, I don't know. It, you know, it maybe they'll continue the, the level up format, and maybe this is just a temporary thing to, you know, because they're still testing the waters of, you know, how, how they can operate in an open world and make it successful for the Pokemon company. Yeah, very, very, very possible. Uh, but enough about that stuff. Uh, obviously, of course, we got more Pokemon news coming along the way anyway, at least up until we uh, have the release of the game on November 18th. So be on the lookout for more of that news coming from us here in the very near future. Of course, we move on to the last main story that we have here on the list, and it's another one about our favorite game to talk about here, which happens to be Diablo Immortal. A player recently can't play pvp games because they've spent one hundred thousand dollars yes that's one hundred thousand dollars had to say it again on microtransactions and that they are leveled so high they can't find a pvp battle they can't do it uh you know part of me says you did that to yourself true you had Absolutely. to you had to have known what you were doing when you were doing it you didn't set aside any other gear, you know, for PvP. So you kind of did it to yourself. Because it's going to read your gear rank before you even try and, you know, match up. Right. That's exactly it here. So it says in the article, content creator uh, J, let's see, JT is all business, posted a YouTube video about his predicament, which he said he's been facing for a month and a half. And that's about as long as the game has been out, which means he spent at least a hundred grand, you know, at the start of this thing, or at least spent quite a bit right off the bat. And the only other guy that could do PVP with him deleted his account. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But that guy only spent $15,000. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, still he had, he had a gem that, that hardly anybody else in the world is going to have yeah. that, that would probably even get him close to this guy's class as far as gear rating and stuff. Yeah. So. And, and so apparently he did actually reach out to Blizzard and talk to them. He said, uh, let's see, he was told that the issue was related to his skill level and that Blizzard hoped to resolve it in a few weeks, but the company couldn't say for sure. I don't know what they're going to actually do to resolve something like this, because if you don't have enough people that are at your level, you're not going to be getting matched up with them in PvP in the first place. So you are right. This guy did it to himself. Like, what else could... You know, it's like, what else could he do other than just sit there and wait until someone gets to that point, which could be next year? You know, I, I, I'd i hate to say 
clone the account with minus the gear minus the gear on another server just so he could have another account to play on um but he'd just go out and do it again because it, it just tells me that if he spent that much money yeah he, he obviously saw it as well i gotta be better than everyone well i i've gotta do this to you know get this to this level and then they won't be able to you know break my defense well all i need is attack now and yeah it 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 probably just devolved from that and or potentially devolved from that and who's to say it's not just going to happen again if they clone the account with minus all the gear yeah because even if they clone the account though i mean i'm sure there's got to be something else tied in the system where he still may end up being in the same state though regardless of not having the equipment either because you got to look at like there's got to be some sort of back-end metrics that look at like skill level not necessarily just like the rank of your armor um, but also like skill level though too, like wins and losses and such. So yeah, but who knows? If you remember it, like when we were doing uh, our our characters, it was very stringent about you know being server specific for for character and everything. Almost like all your gear and everything that that one character he you could never migrate it to a different server, never migrate any of the gear to a different server. So it was it was very locked down at least at launch right. so i don't i don't know where it's at now yeah and i'm not sure either i've still got it installed on my phone i just haven't played it in you know Me in a well. while so I, i'm not sure but i will at least say you know this guy did it to himself he wanted to be the best and now he's he's so good he can't play the game so yeah that's on you dude uh you won the game dude you, you won. won the game yeah. <laughs> well we all lost the game so anyway, yeah, we, we all um, just lost the game, but you won it. So yeah, upset congratulations. A upset a lot of people there. Uh, but of course, right? besides <laughs> that, that's actually it for our main story side of it. So we now get to jump into some Kyle time with the NPCs news quest markers. And Kyle, we have a couple at least to talk about in here, of course. So take it away. Yeah, so our for our first quest launcher or our que quest marker. Wow, can't talk all of a sudden. <laughs> quest launcher. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh god. So for our first quest marker, um, Diablo Four alpha test for Blizzard's friends and family have reportedly begun or are in progress. Um, apparently, invites uh, to uh, employees, friends, and their family, as well as other employees, have. Uh, gone out I believe it was early last week um, but it basically um, recently uh, Diablo beta has been added to the battle.net launcher so um, maybe you could see potentially more beta invites going out to the public here soon uh, as it is supposed to release all right bring if out the it's beta. Still planned yeah uh, 2023 so dang it right but uh, I hope for that beta I hope for that beta we've been playing lots of Diablo they, they should send one on way. yes they should <laughs> yes they should and then continuing on of course um, in our next bit of news uh, Nintendo has announced there will be no new hardware so no Switch Pro this year um of course, you know, everyone can can cap their pens and put away the journals until the 1st of January because, well, actually, I want to say it's the 1st of March because uh, fiscal year for 
Nintendo doesn't actually end until, I believe, April. So it's either March or April. Uh, I'm not. I think so, it's about March is when. So, yeah, at least through the yeah. rest of the fiscal year. No new Nintendo hardware. Oh, well. So Nintendo has officially put the kibosh on the rumors early on. Um, but I'm sure we'll still see, you know, reports of, you know, this and that hardware throughout the end of the year. But don't get your hopes up, people. We won't see the announcement until at least the, the next fiscal year. And the last bit of news that blew my mind and I think uh, Travis's collectively um, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 the best fighting game of all time is getting a re-release on cabinet via Arcade 1-Up um, the cabinet will actually also include um, of course the 17 inch monitor but will have Wi-Fi capability for online multiplayer in addition it will have the original Marvel vs. Capcom, as well as Marvel Super Heroes vs. Uh, Street Fighter, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel Super Heroes, uh, X-Men Children of Adam, X-Men Mutant Apocalypse, and Marvel Super Heroes in War of the Gems. So you get quite the arcade collection in this cabinet. Um, awesome. Of course, no, no pricing for it as of yet. Uh, but typically, arcade one-up cabinets uh, go for about 449 to 499 on the lower end. I think I want to say um, the most expensive one I've seen for this style was, I believe, Simpsons at launch was 600. Yeah, I want to say that's pretty close in price too. Yeah. So keep keep your eyes out and start saving your pennies, guys, because uh, this is this is one for the ages. And let me tell you what, it'll take you for a ride. <laughs> and of course, as we sit there and save our pennies for this upcoming arcade cabinet, that is it then for this week's weekly news roundup. So of course, thank you so much everybody for joining us. Of course, follow us here on YouTube, subscribe to our channel, follow us over on our social media as well. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. You can check that out on our homepage, anchor.fm slash the dash NBC's dash podcast. Thank you so much everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye.